I probably shouldn't say this in church because every time I share something like this, somebody uses it for evil. That's I don't talk about spiders anymore because people have used that for evil, right? Um, but one of the things is I am easily frightened, meaning startled. It is very easy to startle me. Um, after the kids go to bed each night, you know, Abby and I are like tiptoeing through the house. We don't want to wake anybody up and start the whole bedtime process over again. And just about every single night, Abby will quietly be moving through the house, and she will come from one room into the room I am in and scare the life out of me. And I know she's awake. I know she's there. I know that she's probably going to come to wherever I am. It doesn't matter. It always scares me. And when it does, um, she almost always laughs or gives me a look like, I married a moron. Like, how is this still a thing? Like, we've been married so long, and this is still happening. Um, but I, I just, I don't know why. I hate getting scared, and it almost always makes me angry. Like, it's just like, ugh, I mean, and I don't know who I'm angry at in the moment. I just get angry. Um, it's funny, though, uh, the ironic thing is I love scaring other people, but I hate it when it happens to me. Um, I've scared my kids so many times that now they've started doing it to me, and that's great. Um, because then it's like, well, now I have to be mad at myself because I trained them to do this. Um, and so almost every day I'll be going home, and I'll walk past our big picture window, and I'll see one of the kids spot me, and they will run to the front door, and they will stand right by the front door to jump out and scare me. And so I see this happening, right? And it still works. They still scare me. It still gets me, and I'm always like, oh, every time you get me. And even on the days when I like try to have no reaction, it's still like they're still like inside me, like the the jump. It still happens, and it does. It makes me so mad. Um, but it's funny though, how again, anger is the first thing that I jump to in that situation. Like, I don't, I mean, again, I'm the one to blame for most all of it, but I want to be mad. Like, that's my natural reaction when something's not working out, when something's not going my way. Anger's that kind of first thing I jump to, and I'm sure I'm not the only one uh, who does that. Um, me and Abby often joke about when our kids were babies, um, and we were getting up all the time because somebody would cry or this, that, and the other. Um, we had to institute a rule that was... What is said at night doesn't count. <laughs> Beautiful rule, by the way. Probably saved our marriage. But what is said at night doesn't count because we get up and we're so tired and it's the millionth night of interrupted sleep, you know. And we would be so mean and selfish. It's like, it's your turn to get up there. And I get up all the time. And last time I did and you never and the things we said. And so usually we'd, we'd be so mean to each other. And you can't be mad at the baby, right? They're cute and crying and just don't, they're helpless. You can't be mad at them. So we just took it out on each other. And then um, the next morning, once we had gotten a little bit more rest and we would look back on the things that were said last night and we kind of giggle at each other because like that's not who we are but in that moment when things were all falling apart uh, like we were ready to go to go for it we were ready to throw down you know and it's just interesting that that is one of the main places that humans tend to jump when things don't go our way anger is almost always that first resort that we hop to um, we are currently in the middle of this teaching series called From Within, where we are trying to take seriously the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 15, which says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, 
murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These, these things that come from the heart are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Now in that moment, Jesus was getting um, kind of chastised by some religious leaders because the, his disciples didn't go through their rules of cleaning their hands before they had some dinner. And uh, he, he's like, that's not going to make you unclean before God. The real thing that makes you, causes a problem between you and others and between you and God, it's the stuff, the evil things that live in your heart. And so um, a lot of us struggle with these realities that live in our hearts, these emotions. And last week we talked about guilt. This week um, we're going to be talking about anger. And a lot of us, though, we try to spend our time blaming other people, other situations, all this stuff that's going on in our lives. It's busy, it's hectic, it's whatever. And you, so we say, like, you know, I was so stressed from work, that's why I yelled at the kids the way I yelled at the kids. Um, that person pulled out in front of me, and then they went so slow, and there was no one behind me. They could have waited three seconds. That's why I yelled the way I yelled, honked the way I honked, and even rolled down my window and said a few things as we drove by going significantly over the speed limit. That's why I did it. It was their fault. It was life's fault that I reacted the way that I did. And Jesus just says, no, 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 no. That stuff doesn't, it's not the outside stuff that's your problem. It's the inside stuff that's your problem, you know. If, you know, I was just tired. The kids were crying. I was, you know, that's why I said what I said last night, Abby. You know, it's no, it was, I didn't mean it. It was just the kids' fault. And we love blaming someone else for that bad behavior. We love it. It's our favorite thing to do to deflect but again, Jesus says, no, you reacted that way, not because of what anybody else did, but just because of what was in your heart. The stress of the moment, what they said, what they did, what happened, that just made it easier for what was inside to come outside. But it was already there. And so we have to look into our hearts, and that's what this series is about. We need to look within at what is truly inside of us and own it. Stop trying to blame other people, other situations for what is wrong and the way we react to those things. And so like I said, today we're talking about anger. And it's interesting that we talked about guilt last week because anger is kind of uh, the other side of guilt. Um, we said that guilt creates a debt-debtor relationship. That the reason you feel guilt is because you took something from someone whether it was their childhood or their innocence or their ability to just be okay with who they are because you made fun of them so much that now they're all self-conscious all the time. Whatever it is, when you wrong somebody, on some level, you have taken something from them. And so guilt is a debt-debtor relationship and, the, and realizing that. That's why we say to people who we've hurt, I owe you an apology because we understand that we owe something to them. Well, anger is just the flip side of that. It's the other side of the equation. Anger arises when you feel that you are the one who is owed something. You understand the imbalance, the injustice, whatever it is, and so you start to get angry because you are owed something. Something has been taken from you. I'm angry because I deserve their respect, and they always disrespect me, and I've had enough of it. They owe me some respect. I'm angry because you never help around the house. I do all the things. I shouldn't have to do all the things. I'm entitled to some help around here, to some shared work. I, you owe me that. Um, I'm just frustrated because every time it's nice outside, somebody burns some trash, and it ruins the day, and it makes it so angry. I'm just, oh, that's why I'm mad, because I feel like I'm at least owed a nice, clean summer day, whatever it might be. Anger 
anger is when someone has taken something from you or something that you just feel has been taken from you that you are entitled to. Or maybe just someone interrupted your life in some way and you just didn't really care for it in the moment and you feel that you are owed what has been taken from you. But what we've been saying each week, though, is the real problem is not what's happening, what the person who's guilty of maybe taking something from you or whatever you call it, claim they've taken from you. No, it's the inside is where we need to look. And, and today is no different because the real issue, um, at least with, I would say the majority of what I'll call just the unrighteous, unholy anger, the anger that tends to do the most damage in your life and my life, um, the problem isn't people. The way you have blew up about the thing wasn't because of circumstances or someone wronging you. No, it's the problem within. And Jesus says that's always going to be the biggest problem you face, not the outside stuff, but the inside stuff. Now, Jesus' half-brother, James, did not, for a good chunk of his life, believe that his brother was who he said he was. And I have all the grace in the world for that, because if my brother said, I'm God, I would be like, okay, you know, Um, but... So I have all the grace in the world, but then he saw his brother die and rise from the dead, and then he was kind of think, okay, I'm on board, which that's, if someone predicts their own death and resurrection and then pulls it off, that's a good argument. That's a good convincing thing, right? And so he ended up becoming a leader in the church in Jerusalem, and he wrote one of the wisest books in our New Testaments, full of wisdom. And in that, he shines some incredible insight on how unhealthy anger works in all of us, and it's... I don't like what he says because it makes me, it makes me look bad, but we're going to get into it anyway because as much as I don't like it, he's right. So in James chapter 4 is where we're going to start this morning. James chapter 4, we'll look at verse 1. James says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Meaning, why can't you guys get along? Why are you guys bickering and yelling and screaming? What's the deal with all this hostility and anger you have toward each other? Is it not this? That little bit of a sentence means he's, he's really saying, I'll tell you what your problem is. He's just saying it in a much nicer way. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you, that you have all these desires going on in your heart, and they are just creating issues and problems between all of you? What's making you explode on each other? What's making you blow up and scream at the kids? What's making you scold your spouse, who is an adult, but you're yelling at them and talking to them like they're a child? What's making you do that? He says, isn't it that you have all these desires fighting to be satisfied? Isn't you have these cravings in your heart fighting to be satisfied? Isn't the real reason that you're angry is because all those desires aren't getting satisfied, that you aren't getting everything that you think you're entitled to? And this is so simple and so profound, and if you are an angry person, this has the ability to kind of knock the legs out from under your anger and finally give you an upper hand on on how to deal with it. Um, now, by the way, if you have any questions about if you're an angry person, ask somebody close to you that you love, because they will either say, uh, yeah, or they'll look at you like, no, because they're scared that you're going to be angry if they say yes, okay? So if you're an angry person and you just are curious, ask somebody close to you and look for those two reactions. Now, um, but here's the reality, okay? Earlier we said that anger arises when you feel that you are owed something, and oftentimes it's that word feel that makes all the difference because you are feel, you feel that you are owed. But the reality is that oftentimes you are not owed something. 
It's that you just feel you are owed something. But the better way to say it, the more unpleasant way to say it, is anger arises when you aren't getting what you want. You get angry, and especially looking at this unholy, unhealthy, destructive anger that pours out of us sometimes, it simply boils down to the fact that you're not getting what you want. And I don't like that because um, the real problem isn't outside of me, it's me. And it kind of points out that if you're an angry person, basically you're a grown-up version of a toddler throwing a temper tantrum. I want it, and I want it now, and you're not giving it to me? How dare you? But we don't say that. We're, we're too busy looking for things to blame, reasons to be angry. But he says, no, James is like, it's what's going on inside of you. You have these desires that are longing to be satisfied. You want to be given everything that you want. You think the world should cater to you. And it, in that moment, it's just not happening. And so you get angry and throw a fit. This is why we get mad at people for really doing very normal, common, everyday things. That's why, parents, we get mad at our kids for being kids. It took, that was a realization for me. I think most of the time I spent yelling at my kids when they were really young was because they're kids. I think a lot of the time I yell at my kids now is because they're being kids. You come in, how come you're so dirty? How could you, you just went outside for like three seconds and you came in so dirty and now you're going to need a shower and you track mud in? Hey, Anthony, you had little kids. That's what they do, man. Like, they go outside, look for the grossest thing, touch it, lick it, roll in it. They're like a dog. They come inside, get it all over the couch. That's just what little kids do. And, like, I'm mad like nobody warned me and, like, I had no clue, right? And so this is one of those realizations, though, that hurts so much to just say that you're mad because you're not getting what you want. It's like, no, but I've been wronged. There's an injustice in the world that needs to be righted, and I'm the victim. No, you're just not getting what you want. He goes on to really spell it out. You desire, and you do not have. That's it. You want, and you're not getting it. He says, so you murder. You covet. You crave it, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And they might think, well, that's a little bit much. I'm no murderer. No, but, but where does murder come from? Most of the time, it's somebody who wants something, and that's, they can't seem to think of any other way of getting it, right? And so the principle, um, you know, you might never get to that, right, level, hopefully, hopefully, but the principle is still the same. You want something, and there's this anger and this hostility in your heart, and again, it goes back to the simple fact that you're not getting what you want, and again, we start throwing temper tantrums in a different way, and it's like, you know, when a little kid throws a temper tantrum, when a toddler throws a temper tantrum, you know, we can write that off because they don't have really the power to, like, seriously hurt anybody. I mean, a lot of us have gotten, like, you try to pick up your younger kid and you got the head butt and the teeth, you know. We've gotten that. But for the most part, it's like, oh, that hurt. I get over it in a day or two. But your angry words, your angry actions have the ability to leave emotional scars on people that they will track for the rest of their lives. They might not remember a lot of the stuff from their childhood, but they'll remember that day you said that thing. Like, and so we as adults, we have more power to unleash that anger. And so I, gotta, I say this stuff because I struggled with it for so long. And the day when it clicked in my head was because my kids were being kids, destroying the house, making a mess, being loud, doing all those things. And I just wanted a nice, calm, easy day. I don't remember if I was tired or other things were happening. Either way, I just wanted the day to be kind of 
chill and easygoing, right? And it wasn't that. And I was sitting there, I was getting so mad, and I was, come on, don't get that out too. I'll clean that up. And I was just, it was like the whole day was going south. And I realized, Anthony, this is you. Like, they're just playing and doing their thing. Nothing's broken. They're not hurting anyone. You're just angry because you want something, and you're not getting it. You're a giant baby. And like, I got to be honest, like, that realization to say that it was life-changing is an understatement. Um, that, like, really, really was a life-altering moment for me um, because uh, it was humbling, maybe even humiliating to have that. And that just sucks all the wind out of my angry sails because I wanted to be mad, I wanted to be the victim, and then I had nowhere else to hide, no one else to point to but me. There was evil in my heart, selfish desires inside of me, and they just weren't getting. I was quarreling with my kids, as James would say, but it was desires that I, I wanted something, and I wasn't getting it. And, um, you know, I would say, just to be clear, that there are legitimate times to get angry, there are real injustices in the world. There are real times when we need to respond with a good, godly anger to protect ourselves and to kind of try to right wrongs in the world. It's a very legitimate motivator for us as we go through life. But if we're honest, that's not the majority of anger. The majority of anger is this stuff. We want and we're not getting it. I didn't get my way. It's never. It's rarely over the noble cause that we think it is. You know, um, you know. There's nothing noble about griping at my kids because they got out three games and dumped a puzzle. You know, that's. It's just me being angry. And so, to when you start to get angry and you acknowledge that the real issue is really your selfishness and your sense of entitlement, again, that's a humiliating moment as somebody who's trying to prop themselves up and be the victim and create sort of a cause and a reason to be angry and to be angry at everybody and yell at everybody, and it does, it just sucks everything out of that. And so um, there are times, though, when I start getting angry and I realize, realize all of this, and I will intentionally say something ridiculous to just kind of beat up that evil anger in my heart. So for, I've said this on more than one occasion. Um, the last time I remember saying it was not too long ago. We were getting loaded in the car, and, you know, I'm sure something got forgotten in the house. Somebody had to run back in. They're fighting over who's going to sit where and pushing and don't step on my backpack and blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff was going on. And I was getting angry. And I just said, why are you guys acting like children? And they all smiled like, Dad, we are children. Dad, we are kids. Like even Eleanor was like, Dad, what a dumb question. Like that was, she didn't say that, but that was her tone, you know. She's already really got that preteen like, she's five. So that's going to. That's going to go well. I'll probably preach this message many times to myself between now and then. And, and it's just because it does. It's like, yes, obviously you're children. Nothing is wrong right now. I'm the problem. And so I'll say something like that out loud just to, like, let myself acknowledge how ridiculous I'm being. And, again, that really is a hostile move to the anger and the selfishness that lives inside of you. So James as simple as this, this principle is, he really helps us understand the root behind a lot of the reasons we tend to be angry. And again, if you're an angry person, this is hard to hear because you're the one who walks around thinking, everyone else is an idiot. I'm the one who's right. 
If everybody could be as smart as me, the world would be a lot better place. If they could drive as well as me, operate as well as me, you know, do mind their business as well. Like, there's reasons. You think you're kind of smarter and better than everyone else. That's how I have looked at the world. Everything is better. My way is right. Everybody else is wrong. That feeds so much of that anger. And to say, no, you're just a baby who doesn't get what you want, that is a real shot to the stomach in many, many ways. And so James shows us the the reason why we often get so angry. But then another guy who wrote most of the New Testament, a guy named Paul, he helps us kind of give some insight into how we handle the anger and move past that anger. Um, Now, for a little context, Paul, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, by the way. Um, At the beginning of Ephesians 4, Paul is just trying to say, we're all one church and we're all supposed to love each other, but we're all different people and getting along can be hard. Okay, And so then he naturally starts to talk about how to handle those disagreements and that fighting and quarreling that starts to come up. So Ephesians chapter 4, we'll do verse 31 is where we're going to start. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, all of those words are usually just different expressions of anger or selfishness. Um, Bitterness is a kind of a sourness that kind of fills you up. You're just kind of bitter at life and think you're owed everything, and you just kind of become a sour, you even get a sour face. You ever seen people walking through life like they just sucked on a lemon? Life owes me everything. Like that demeanor, that's bitterness. Rage is that that's intense outbursts of anger. Um, the word translated anger, just straight up anger, kind of means you just settled into being angry. You're just, that's your status. Your, your basic line is anger. Um, brawling is one, um, or clamor is the way he puts it here. That means fighting, not even necessarily like with fists, but just bickering and fighting. Always looking for a fight might be a way to say it. Um, slander, that's when you tell a truth or a lie for the sake of hurting somebody. You try to ruin their reputation or something or attack their character, which isn't that interesting that that's like one of the number one tools of the angry person? Oh, well, I'm wrong, but I'm going to make you, I'm going to attack you. I'm going to make you look wrong. Um, and then malice is uh, just wanting bad things to happen to other people, enjoying when other people don't have life go their way. And he says, put all that stuff away from you, which I don't think is a strong enough translation. It actually is a word that means to remove by force, like rip it out. Get all that stuff and deal with it. Don't let it sit there. Don't be passive. Don't hope you grow up one day and get more mature. Deal with it. Rip it out of your life. Don't wait for it to get better. Deal with it. And then the magic stuff comes in the next verse. How do you deal with all that? How do you rip it out of your life, Paul? He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Now, in your deepest moment of blind rage, doesn't anything sound more awful than being kind to people and being tenderhearted. No, it's like that's not the helpful, Paul. But he, then he goes on, he says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So instead of giving full vent to your anger, you forgive. You let go. Forgiveness is the best way to fight against anger because, again, remember, being angry is when you think you're owed something. Well, we've talked about this in the past. Forgiveness, the act of forgiveness, is actually you releasing a person from what they owe you. 
That is what forgiveness is. It's not an emotional, just, I'm not going to be mad about this anymore. No, it is a mental decision to say, you don't owe me anymore. Now, whether somebody has really done you wrong or you're just kind of not getting your way, the best way to handle it is to take that debt that you have perceived and to let go of it, to say, you don't owe me anything. Now, if it's a real debt, okay, maybe you go to somebody and you say, and you deal with it and you talk about it and you say, well, I forgive you. I'm not holding this against you anymore. I let this go. If you are maybe in the middle of a fight with your spouse and things start heating up and you're saying things and they're saying things and all of a sudden you realize that you're angry because you're not getting your way, I would handle that silently in your head. In that moment when you've started a fight, do not just stop in the middle of the fight and say, you know what, I forgive you. You're going to die if you do that. <laughs> That's not going to go well for you. Because, again, there's no re- the debt is, is perceived. It's you thinking that you're owed something. And so in that moment, you forgive, not in the sense of, like, you're letting go of something they really owe you, but you're letting go of that perceived debt and saying, no, I'm not going to be this person that walks around being angry, that gets controlled by this nasty, deep selfishness and entitlement all my life. No, I want to be a person who is of uh, tender heart, what do you say, tenderheartedness and kindness. I want to be that kind of person rather than somebody who just goes around blowing up everybody's lives everywhere I go and overflowing like some sort of angry volcano to everybody I encounter. So again, whether you have the right to be angry or whether it's just something that you have felt, I think the power of forgiveness is very real in dealing with your anger. Because In those moments, when you're not getting what you want, if you have the ability to just stop and recognize what's happening and say, this is me, not out here, this is here, not out here, I'm being selfish, I'm being entitled, I want something and I'm not getting it, I'm just, I'm a toddler in this moment, if you can recognize that and calm yourself down before you do something you regret or say something you regret, that is what is called maturity. Because everybody's going to feel things that they shouldn't and think things that they shouldn't. But there is the ability to be able to stop ourselves from allowing that evil inside of us to cause harm to other people is a powerful, powerful thing. But again, you have to make that decision to release that debt. Again, whether real or just something that you have perceived to be there. It is a powerful weapon to fight against your anger. And to fight against being a person who's always bitter who's always settled into their anger, always ready to brawl, always ready to fight, always looking for a conflict. It changes everything for you. And dealing with this kind of evil that lives inside of you, that's what this series is all about. And Paul, he even hints at the fact that for Christians, it doesn't even make sense to be angry people. He says, we're supposed to be people who forgive. Why? Because God in Christ forgave you. How can we walk around looking at all the world owes us, what everybody owes us, when in reality we stood before God with a lifetime full of sin and he let that debt go out of grace and mercy. He didn't come at us with justice and anger, but with grace and care and forgiveness. And so we must be adamant to deal with our anger because it is not representative of the kind of love and grace that God wants his people to live in. And so when we are angry people, it hurts the people around us. 
It hurts the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father that He wants us to have with Him. Remember, because it's what's inside of us that truly defiles us. And as people who are supposed to walk around being the image of God, showing the world the goodness and love and mercy that is available in Jesus, let me tell you, an angry Christian is a lousy evangelist. Because why would anybody want to have anything to do with a God that makes such sour, angry people? So don't let anger have the steering wheel of your life anymore. It's not what God wants for you. It's not what you should want for you. It doesn't lead you to joy and happiness. It leads you to a false sense of superiority as, again, you're the smartest person in the world who's always angry and always slighted. And you kind of have to stop letting this angry toddler be, have the steering wheel of your life. Now, again, I'm not saying this, yelling at anyone. I mean, I'm the one who got caught by the church secretary throwing a car seat across my front yard years back. Okay, I under, this, I've walked this stuff. And because, by the way, that's just because that's a legitimate debt. That guy, whoever makes car seats, they owe us big time. There should be a class action lawsuit on all the frustration and emotional turmoil they've put us through. But, but it, it is in that moment. I mean, what more of an angry toddler moment can you have through a car seat? It was, I mean, I don't think I broke it. I put my kid in it for like two years after that, so hopefully it was okay. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but when you start getting angry, the best thing you can do in that moment is to stop and evaluate, is this a real debt do they really owe me? Have I really been wronged? Or am I just not getting what I want? That question has the ability to change how you respond and help you gain control over something that's had control over you for far too long. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the chance we have to deal with the anger in our lives. I think all of us have been angry at times and seasons where we just felt like life wasn't going our way. Like we had our, our more than our fair share of negative things happening and positive things happening. And I just pray that we would be able to take the wisdom found in your word and we would be able to partner with your Holy Spirit and to recognize that the evil in us should not be controlling us. The evil of sin and anger and selfishness, that should not be allowing us to fight with people in our lives and hurt people in our lives. We should not let that angry little toddler be at the steering wheel anymore. And I just pray that in those moments when we start to get angry for the wrong reasons, that your spirit would draw our minds and our hearts back to these words, to the scriptures that show us that, no, we're just not getting what we want. We're fighting and quarreling because we desire and we're not getting so that we might be able to stop ourselves before we say things we can't unsay and do things we can't undo. So help us to be people who are eager to let go of every debt that is owed us, to be freely forgiving everywhere we go, to let no debt stick to us and hold no grudge because Jesus has died to have us be forgiven, to let us be forgiven. He paid the, the price of every debt that we owed you and others, Father, and we have ultimate forgiveness, ongoing forgiveness through Jesus and I just pray that we would be people who walk through our lives ready to show that same kind of forgiveness to others. And we become unoffendable, un, unhurtable, unangerable, so that we can just be more reflective of the kind of love and grace and mercy you are opening up to the world. Because anger does not reflect who you are and your character. 
Yes, there's a time for it, but most of the time that we get angry, it's not the right time. And so I pray that you would help us to be able to stop in a moment when the temperature's rising and evaluate why we're angry and deal with it accordingly. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.